Welcome to MSP Voice, the weekly show for MSPs by MSPs. Brought to you by MSP360, the number one cross-platform cloud backup. Learn more at msp360.com. This is MSP Voice. Hello and welcome to MSP Voice. This is episode number 770. I'm also the last episode for 2019 as next two weeks are holidays. So we'll be back in 2020 in the new year with fresh new episodes. Today, I am very pleased to be joined by Nigel Moore. Um, he is now with the Tech Tribe, uh, but he's owned an MSP for a number of years. He talks a lot about his experiences. Um, he's written a book that's in the show notes called Package Price Profit. Uh, be sure to check that out. It's available on Amazon. Um, but he, he shares just a lot of great information. Fun interview. He's Australian, um, so you know he, he's got a lot of, of, of great energy. Uh, so definitely stick around for the interview. Uh, before we get to that, we've got some housekeeping. MSPVoice.com is your source for all things MSP Voice. Uh, we have webinars coming up in the new year. So I, I talked about one last week. Uh, this week we've got an uh, um, announcement for another one with Paul Green, MSP Marketing Edge. Um, that will be on January 22nd. So be sure to check that out um, on MSPVoice.com. Um, all of our past episodes, and also um, MSP webinar number 19 on January 15th with Envirosoft, um, another great one that, we're look that I'm looking forward to. So a couple of things coming up there. Also, if you want to be a guest, just hit the link, be the next guest, register, and I will get you on here, and we'll have a great conversation. Um, another little bit of housekeeping thing is actually it's happening today, Wednesday, December 18th at 2 p.m. Eastern. Um, but if you're listening and you want to and you want to join in on it um, here in the morning, um, check it out. We're doing a joint webinar with EMSASoft um, about ransomware, what to do if disaster strikes. Um, this is going to be a fun one. Um, we did a kind of a pre-call about it today. Um, so uh, really excited about it. There's going to be a lot of Q&A, a lot of time for Q&A. So if you have questions for Fabian Wosar, who is one of the leading um, malware crackers, so to speak, um, in terms of cracking malware, uh, you definitely want to join this webinar. So hit that up and we'll get you registered. Um, and then finally, in the news, um, just really one that just really stuck out at me today. It's on Krebs on Security, um, but ransomware gangs are now outing victim businesses that don't pay up. And what does that mean? It means that at least one group of bad actors have set up a website where they are now listing customers that they have infected with their ransomware and even posting data from those customers. Um, this is kind of a new tactic and, and they're doing this for, for ones that don't pay the ransomware. Um, and it, it's, it's scary, right? Because not only now are they infecting you with you or your customers with malware, they can actually also go in and grab the data as part of that and hold it hostage, not just to unlock it, but to say, hey, if you don't pay us, we're gonna release this information on the web, uh, which could obviously contain a lot of sensitive information. Um, so it's, this is the, the one, the group that's doing it now is, is Maze. Um, I'm sure Fabian will be talking about that in the webinar later today. So might wanna tune in for that or even on the recording uh, if you can't join live. So that's all I've got today. Um, I, I don't mean it for it to be all scary. And the good news is this interview is a lot of fun. Uh, we talk a lot. We laugh a lot. So um, stick around for that. And uh, we'll talk to you in 2020. Thank you very much.
Hello and welcome to MSP Voice. Today I am pleased to be joined by Nigel Moore, who comes to us from down under in Sydney or the Sydney area. Nigel, how are you doing? G'day. I always start <laughs> off these things by saying g'day. I've got to know my place in this world. I am doing very well, thank you. It is morning here, so yes. I'm just kickstarting my day. Good. Yeah, well, it's not too early though. It's 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 9 a.m. So it yeah, is 9 a.m. So I've already had a, an hour and a half call this morning and I am I'm onto my second one of the day already. <laughs> so it, you've had just from reading the descriptions that you know that I found of you before I before we joined this call, you've had a, an interesting journey um, in this MSP space. <laughs> it, it appears so. You know, why don't you why don't you kind of lead us through how you got into this business? So I started off. I was poached into an MSP, or back then it wasn't an MSP; it was just mm -hmm. an IT support company okay. back in about two thousand and two, two thousand and three. And, uh, and I ended up working my way through that business and becoming the, the general manager of it. And uh, in about 2007, through this crazy, strange turn of events, uh, probably an entire podcast episode in that one, uh, I ended up owning my own MSP uh, okay. one Monday morning and having a little book of clients to get started with. And so huh. that kicked me off into the journey of, of having my own business and my own MSP. And then I had to figure out what the heck to do. How do you run one of these things? There's no, there was no instruction manual for it. So I had to get started on that journey of making a million mistakes and, and figuring out what to do and, and what not to do. So and, uh, you, you piqued my interest. I, I don't, how do, how do you, how does one wake up Monday morning owning, owning an MSP? I, <laughs> when the previous one disintegrates the previous okay. ownership or, or leadership or whatnot. And, um, disintegrates and most of the clients end up bringing you on the Monday morning and saying, Hey, we want to work with you now. And, okay. um, and so that, that was the way it started back then. Gotcha. Yeah. Cause I mean, people like to work with people at the end of the day. Correct. Yeah. And, and, they probably and in that business, the, the owner of the business hadn't had relationship with those clients for the better part of a good couple of years. And I had okay. been running it. And then he was, he was kind of slowly going down this, this, as I said, story for another day, but a severe yeah. mental health issue and mm -hmm. kind of, abusing some of us as client as as staff and um and so i went down this crazy crazy world and uh ended up in a, a whole world there was a pile of us that ended up in a world of pain out of that and uh <laughs> and and uh we we came out relatively relatively unscathed a year or so later but it took us some time to get through that and then as i said out of it i had this this pile of clients sitting on my lap mm -hmm. that that all wanted to work with me and i had the relationship with them and um and that birthed birth the start of my MSP or my IT company back then because we weren't doing managed services back in okay. 07. We took me yep. about a year or a year or so to get started on on the recurring income in there as well and to figure out how to, to start to roll that stuff out. Yeah, so, you, so it was basically break, you know, what we call break fix. Correct. It was you a break were, fix company when I started. Yeah. Okay. And then, then you transitioned into the monthly and have Correct. everyone on contract and, and, yeah. and then you're all good. So, <laughs> you know, and it, it, obviously trial and error um, is, is a yes. big part of it. And I know that, you know, you've, you've shared some of your experiences in, in some other podcasts and, and you've also written a book uh, with some tips and tricks for other MSPs. I have. It's Tell me uh, about the book. <laughs> this bad boy here, <laughs> package price profit. And so, okay. so being in the MSP coaching space, the number one question that I get asked is how the heck do I price and package my plans? Mm -hmm. And I think I've been asked that question probably 300 times. <laughs> and instead of answering it the same way each time, now I can just say, go read that. Okay. And, uh, and so that's what I wrote that one about is, is uh, over the years, I've, I've tried a million different ways to price and package plans from per user, per device, hybrid, per experience, all sorts of different things. Uh, putting a finger in the wind in, in the air and seeing which way the wind is going. And, uh, and 
I've learned that there's a whole, there's a pile of things that you should do and there's a pile of things that you shouldn't do. Okay. And, um, but there is no, unfortunately, hard and fast, clear answer as to the way that every MSP should operate their yeah. planes. Everyone's got to figure out what works for them. And so what I've put in this book is, is tips and tricks to help you figure out or who the listener to figure out okay. what is going to work for them. And uh, coupled it with all of the learnings that I've had around different areas where I've gone and tried something mm-hmm. and it didn't work for whatever reason. Okay. And uh, so it's based around that. An easy way to answer the questions that I get asked without me having to go deep into them now. I just say, go read the book. <laughs> and I will include a link to it in the show notes. So if you're, you. if you're listening or, or watching on YouTube, uh, check the show notes for that. It's on Amazon. It's very reasonably priced. So it is. <laughs> this is true. It's not going to break the bank. I, I make I make twenty cents commission. I think per sale. <laughs> it's not going to. It's, so it's not going to break the bank, and it's not going to make you rich. But you know, hey, it, at least it, it at will least, make you rich. Oh, it won't make you rich. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, it won't make me rich. It won't. That's true. The book oh, sales won't. Yeah. So so you know, you talk about pricing and packaging. What about? Yeah when you were running your MSP, what about advertising? I know that's one and, and marketing. That's because that's one yeah, of the marketing. things. That, that's that the second question. With. Second yes. most common question I get asked is how the heck do I find new clients? And that is the second book that is on the way. Okay. Uh, so you'll have to wait until I finish it. <laughs> Kidding. Uh, marketing is one of the, the toughest parts in our space as well, because we don't, we don't have a traditional buyer journey like most, like an e-commerce store or anything like that does where people yeah. are buying pretty quickly. We have this big, long sales cycle in the MSP space, which means you've got to build relationships mm-hmm. and those relationships to, to go from meeting someone to closing them as a managed service deal can sometimes take six, eight, 12, 24, 36 months. Yeah. And during that time you can have 15, 20, 30, 40 different touch points to get that client. And so our, our journey through this, this uh, managed service marketing world is a long one. However, on the flip side, that, that, make it, that might make it tough up front. But what it does is it gives you this double-edged sword because on the other side, it means that once you do get a client, you typically can keep them for a very, 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 very long time. Yeah. And you, once you've, you've done that hard work to get a client in through whatever marketing methods you use, then you've, you've got profits hopefully for a very long time. And that means that if you've got access to the right amount of capital, you can afford to go and spend a lot in your marketing endeavors to get a client mm-hmm. because a client typically has over the life of two, three years or four years with you is typically going to be spending tens of thousands of dollars, if not more in gross margin with you. Yeah. So if you've got that capital to go and spend two or $3,000 to acquire that client, knowing that you're going to get it paid back off in two or three months and then the rest is profit from then onwards. It's very, such a great sales cycle as well. It might be, it's tough and daunting to know that you've got this big long thing there, but it's yeah. also great to know that you can spend a fair bit of money. It can be a little bit creative in it as well. Yeah, I mean, but not everyone has access to that capital either. So this is true. You know, is some, true. Some so you're going to start with the basics somewhere, <laughs> and that's that creativity there. And yeah. uh, and there's lots of different methods out there uh, that work in the MSP space. There's some that don't as well. Uh, you, you typically can't advertise on Facebook saying, "Hey, come and try yeah. my IT support." That stuff just doesn't work. But nope. you can you can advertise. You can retarget on Facebook, but you can also advertise different types of maybe a, a cybersecurity audit for mm-hmm. law firms in the, the, the Dallas area or whatever on, yeah. on Facebook, something very targeted like that. Yeah. And, um, but in terms of if you are just starting out in the MSP space and you've got no clients whatsoever, and you've only got a very small network, the, you, the only thing that you've got on your side is time there. You don't have access to that capital and that yeah. makes it hard. And so, so some of the things you can and should be doing is going out and building your network. And that does take time, but going out and building your network of one of my 
so obviously of prospects, people that, that might be able to become clients of yours. And you can yeah. do that at industry events and associations and workshops and meetups and all mm -hmm. sorts of that. But one of my favorite ones is to go out and build relationships with people who are, who allow you to have a one to many to many uh, relationship with your clients. Okay. And what I mean by that is um, in our particular MSP, before I had marketing budget that was big, I used to go and look across, um, across my client base and I go, okay, we've got, this client over here works with this line of business vendor and we actually really enjoy working with them, mm -hmm. which sometimes can be a, a, a bit hard to, you know what it's like, most line of business vendors sometimes can be tough to work with. Yeah. But I'd look around and I'd go, these guys are good. My guys like working with them or I like working with them. Mm -hmm. And I'd get on the phone and I'd say, hey, love what we're doing, working with you guys over at so-and-so client. Can I take you out to lunch and see what, whether there's ways we might be able to help each other out a little bit more? Yeah. And I go out and take him out to lunch and we just talk about business and talk about the mutual client or two that we had and then, mm -hmm. and whatnot. But what always happened out of them was the next time they are out working with one of their, their clients, installing their POS software or installing their line of business app or whatever it happened yeah. to be. And that was, that were that were fighting with the client's current IT company. They'd go, <laughs> you guys are mad. Go and talk to Nigel. They're so much easier to deal with this <laughs> IT company. And we got, and, and I built, literally just taking a few people out to, to lunches and dinners and being mm -hmm. intentional around taking them out to a really nice place, not, not McDonald's, <laughs> but taking them out to a nice place. And uh, we've got multi six figures worth of income added to our business just by, by referrals that just kept piling in. Okay. And the reason I called it one to many to many is that I'm building my, I'm the one person in that mix yep. and I'm building a relationship with many vendor partners mm -hmm. who then have many clients underneath them that can yep. come and that can be referred to us. And so, so that's one of the little tricky ones that I don't mind using. Um, and I love seeing MSPs use it because it's quite easy to go and build those relationships with yeah. vendors. And, and we shouldn't be having these, these big arguments with our line of business vendors out there. They're most of them. I'm not going to say all of them because there are some horrible ones out there, but most of them are trying to do their best and we're yeah. trying to do our best. And, and if you can build an awesome relationship with them, they will go and sing your praises from the heavens out there in front of yeah. their clients. Yeah, and the worst thing I've seen in those types of things is the finger pointing, right? Yes. When it's, oh, yeah. oh it, you know, well, it's the vendor's fault. No, that it's the yeah. service's fault. You know, and everybody's pointing their finger at somebody else, and yeah. no one's working together on, on trying to come up with a resolution yeah. for what the problem actually is. So, a hundred percent. Clients see that, and vendors see that, and mm -hmm. the end users see that, and it just brings these entire negative energies into your, your agreements. And uh, if you can if you can take a step above that, and you come into these situations, and and coach and mentor your team to come into these situations as just someone that's here to help and and sure some people will come in and they some vendors will come in and they've got these big egos and they've got to prove something to you and whatnot <laughs> but quite often if you come in from a different perspective and come in from a serving and supporting perspective mm -hmm. you can disarm those egos pretty quickly in that yeah. mix and you can come in and you can you can make these relationships work fairly easily in there with just a little bit of just throwing that ego out the door <laughs> it's horrible uh, yeah um so in terms of you know, being an MSP, what was the best part for you? I mean, obviously you started, then you kind of inherited, you know, and, and were thrown into it, but then you, you, you were very successful uh, as, as running it as an MSP. What was the, what was your favorite thing about Ooh, being an MSP? Question. So, so like most MSP business owners, I suspect I love technology. I'm a geek at heart. So mm -hmm. I love seeing technology, but I also love helping people. And, uh, in my first stages of my MSP, that started off with helping our clients. So yep. I was always out there going, look at this, this is going to do this and this is going to create that and you're going to be able to do all this awesome stuff. And I loved it. I used to get high on that kind of stuff. 
And then over time, as I, I started stepping back from any client interactions, that started becoming that I'm helping my team. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so again, I still had that, we got all this great technology to play with and whatnot, but I ended up being the, the mentor and the coach to my team to help grow them up and to, to help them go through their career. And, uh, and so for me, I think um, the best parts of it was that seeing clients grow through their journeys. I had okay. some clients grow from 20 staff to 600 staff um, through there and we, we supported them the entire way. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we had some, some people on our team grow from, from just a level one tech all the way up to service management kind of material. And I, I loved seeing that process as well. Uh, my other big, 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 love in there was systems. I'm a massive systems guy. Okay. I love them. SOPs <laughs> and building backend operations. And uh, you might find it, a lot of people find it boring and tough and tedious to dive into, but I love being able to see a, a, a business unit or a part of our business or a department mm -hmm. of our business or a process in our business and just strategize how the heck can we break that down into a repeatable process and, okay. uh, and then turn that into an SOP yeah. so that then we can, we can really work on making it an awesome process, not just a good process in our business. And I love that side of things as well. There's a okay. few things in there. I used to love a lot. <laughs> well, what, that's what you love. What didn't you like? <laughs> oh, uh, it's, when, you're, when you're in a business, and this is, this is my personal philosophy, it might not be for everybody, but when you've been in a business space for... 15 odd years, you can kind of fall out of love with doing it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I got to the point where whilst I loved the, the team parts and whatnot, I got to this point in the MSP where I was, was starting to coach pseudo coach a few other MSPs on the side. And I, okay. and I really loved that process. I kind of went, man, this is awesome. I'm loving this new challenge and these new things. And I haven't, whilst I haven't conquered everything in the MSP space, I don't have a $10 yeah. million MSP, but I have seen and done a fair bit in our space up until mm -hmm. that point. So I kind of fell out of, real love with the thing and and so so that was that was kind of the parts of or the reasons why i ended up transitioning out of that business okay. in terms of the day-to-day -day, uh of what i didn't love in inside the msp it's um you, you go through this journey right so it's different at every stage in the beginning of my my journey i used to love solving printer problems i used to love diving in and <laughs> <laughs> digging in in a some sort of masochistic no. way <laughs> exactly right but then as you as you grow through this journey those things become crazy to you and you just go oh i just don't ever want to hear another printer outage again <laughs> and you go through all of these different stages and and at one stage i used to love troubleshooting small business issues in our business mm -hmm. like little tweaks here to our business model or our sops and whatnot and then as you do a few of them i i then lost the love of doing them and got frustrated with doing them and you, you just work your way up and so yeah. to me there was at, at, at any one stage there's things i loved and there's things i i didn't enjoy and i always just looked to to automate the crap out of the things i didn't enjoy or delegate them off to somebody mm -hmm. else as i went through that journey and that that was helpful because that's what helped us grow is, okay. um, if that makes sense yeah no it makes perfect sense and you know, one of the other things is at least here in the u.s um and I'm, I'm sure it's it's similar there is the idea of community around MSPs is that MSPs yes, are willing to help each other out, uh, share experiences. You know, that's, that's why this podcast, that's why I do this is to, you know, yeah. have talk to MSPs and Hey, share it out and have others listen to it and maybe gain some insight. Uh, so what are you, you know, what are your areas for community? What's your kind of um, your hangout, so to speak, or your go-tos for the MSP? Well, my community, just to, to rewind a little bit there, my community process started off like that where, where you talk about we're very incredibly giving in it. Mm -hmm. When I kicked off back in whatever it was, 2007, 2008, 
I was completely all alone. I didn't know a single other MSP out there. Mm -hmm. And I, I found this little industry association that we had and I went along to an event and, uh, and I found that there was about 30 other people in the room at a Microsoft building. And, yeah. um, and these were all my competitors. You call them yeah. competitors back then. I don't call them competitors <laughs> now. They're, they're your, your peers. They're your co-opetition. Yeah. And, um, and I was talking to one of them in there about managed service agreement plans. And, and he goes, oh, what's your email address? I'll just send you mine. And I went, huh? You're, gonna, right. you're my competition and you're going to send me your managed service agreement template? Like, what is this? And that, that opened my entire eyes to this world of this community in our space. And, mm. um, and it, it kicked me off on a journey of going and joining a few awesome communities around the world. Okay. And, uh, and ultimately has led me to then go and create what, what we have now. Our tribe is a community of MSPs all around the world. Mm -hmm. And what I love about it is that it comes back to those, those core values of we love technology and we love serving people and we love helping people. And yeah. we do that. Most MSPs do that at the detriment nearly of their own business <laughs> and their own profits is that, we would prefer to be out there helping our peers and helping our what you would call competition out there yeah. than sometimes we would be making making ourselves more dollars in the bank. And and I love that about our business, but I also think we, some of us need a little bit of balance in there as well. I think yeah. some people too far in there. We've got to, you've got to make money, but I also love the the giving community side of, of what we've got in our space. Great. It is it is not very not very common along a, among a lot of other industries. I, I obviously work mm -hmm. in the coaching space now and I've got some friends in other industries yeah. and I've got one in the hairdressing space. And you'd think oh. that this one, they would be very open to talking because they're location dependent, right? Like yeah. you, you can't, you, you don't care whether someone three towns away is, is going to do anything. But he said that these guys struggled to be in a room together. Huh. All of them, the, the whole industry in over the, in where he operates struggle to be in a room together, even if they're not in the same geographical location as these competition. Hmm. And, uh, and he, he, and I think it comes a little bit from the scarcity mindset that the people have in different industries. I don't believe our industry because we see this, this vision of future and technology and all this coolness is we just mm -hmm. don't have that, that deep scarcity mindset that a lot of industries do have. Yeah. And that, that pulls them back from, from having those, those awesome giving communities that we've got. Yeah. It's interesting, but I, I, I'll have to ask some of my, my friends about the, the hairdresser part. So. <laughs> yeah, I, found it, I found it crazy. And he's a coach. He's got hundreds of them. And he, and he said it's just to get them in the same room and sharing stories huh. and helping each other out. It's just he's found that incredibly hard. Which The wigs, the wigs fly, mind. huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly right. The, the sharp scissors come out. And, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you you mentioned something just uh, just a little bit ago about technology and and you know the advancement and the excitement of of you know particularly in this space, but but just technology in general. Yeah. And what are some of the technologies, whether it's work related or or not, that have you most excited? What what are you most excited about, either current or or on the horizon? Oh, well, the big one that has me most excited is is the whole idea and concept of the brain dock from Elon Musk. And I'm not sure whether you, you know too much or you've, you've read too much about that, but it's um, no. Elon, Elon's obviously he's created these crazy cars and, yep. uh, and he's flying people to Mars, but his <laughs> ultimate goal is not that his ultimate goal is this, this brain dock machine that he wants to build, which is essentially the interface between the human brain and computers. Okay. And, and we're starting to see the beginnings of that now where, where you can have artificial limbs that are controlled by brain waves and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But his, his ultimate goal is, is far, 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 far deeper than that. And, um, and if you might've heard of the term, the singularity, which, um, which is the, the time when human minds and, Brain and um, computers get to the point where where they're ubiquitous, where where mm -hmm. the, the processing power and the connect connectivity between the two is is on par, and yeah. that is 
in terms of when that's supposed to happen, that is currently slated for 2035, which is okay. not very far away. No, it's it not. It used to be 2045, but they've just re pulled it back a decade thinking it's going to happen around 2035. Okay. And that's where these, these technologies like these brain docks and whatnot uh, start to come into play around, mm -hmm. I, I, we would assume, obviously none of us can predict the future, but just <laughs> judging by past trends and processing power and, and where things are going is yeah. that's where it's going to be. And that, that excites the living crap out of me, but that's kind of 10, 15, 20 years into the future. And um, it, it excites us. And I mm -hmm. think it's also scares the crap out of us. It's like, what, a little bit. <laughs> what, what can happen at that point in time? And, and I, I'm a believer that, that us as a human race, we are a smart bunch of cats and we, mm -hmm. we can solve pretty much any problem that comes towards us within yeah. reason, I think. And, and I feel that we're going to be, there's always going to be bad actors in those things. There has been over yeah. the past 10,000 years and there will be over the next 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of what am I most excited about in technology, that, that area there fascinates me. The singularity and, and meshing human brains and, and being able to, like Neo does in the Matrix, inject Kung Fu into our minds in 30 seconds and then be a Kung Fu master. Yeah. That kind of stuff is, is, is possible in the next couple of decades, I believe. And, that um, but then, but Pretty then, the exciting times, yeah. Right? It's, but you know, hopefully, we don't have to have a body in a in a in a yeah. pod, you <laughs> in know, a pod. Be, being fed nutrients. Uh. Correct. <laughs> and so, so you've got to balance that out as well with uh, the how do we how do we maintain a human connection out of all of this as well? Exactly. How do we use technology just as a tool because that's what we should always keep it as just as mm -hmm. a tool, whilst maintaining that we are this meat sack. We're yep. a meat sack on this crazy crazy rock flying through the universe. How do we? <laughs> How do we still maintain that connection to this this bag of bones that we've got and still be humans in that mix as well? Exactly. And uh, so I think it's the, the ethics, the morals, the the debates around them are going to be endless for the next couple of decades. The technology and the the use cases are going to be fascinating. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm super excited for it. In the short term, though, I, I just love where the business world is in the technology space at the yeah. moment. The tools they've got available to them now, are small businesses, to all of us as small businesses, it's mm -hmm. just phenomenal compared to what it used to be back in 2002 or 2003 when I first yeah. started in the space. Yeah. And especially, you know, especially with software as a service now yeah. you know, where, you know, you've got, it, you know, everything's in the cloud, right or wrong security, you know, yes, sir. But the fact that I don't need to have a massive, you know, bank of servers in my office in order yes. to do all of this great stuff, whether yeah. it's, whether it's just CRM or like you said, line of business apps, those types of things, everything running in the cloud just makes it so much easier for a business. To, to operate without a ton of capital having to invest to, to get all this equipment in, in order Correct, to do it. Yeah. So. We have got access to these, these supercomputers, these computers mm -hmm. that have got infinite processing power to be able to do and create and, and build whatever the heck our minds can conceive in there yep. instantly. Yep. And it's just crazy. The, 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 the limiting thing at the moment is not the technology. The limiting thing is this gray, squishy, gooey <laughs> stuff in between our ears. But even you know, even from the small business perspective, right? Payment processing. I mean, look look yeah. where that's gone just in the last you know five years or so. You know, Correct, just yeah. being able to have as long as you have your mobile phone, you know, you can swipe a just card, ding or, and bang, you're done. You know, yeah. or or you know, touch and you can you can now take money from from customers Correct. and sell your wares. So I think that's great. Correct. In terms of technology, though, that you're worried about, ooh, what what keeps you up at night besides you know the the singularity and, and becoming self-aware. <laughs> yeah. See, I think it's all the same thing. So, so to me it's, and it's not the technology that I worry about. It's the, the people behind the technology. Yeah. And uh, cause, cause I don't, 
as I said, there's always bad actors in every sense of the word in every, mm -hmm. every space, there's always these bad actors. And, and I just worry about, we've obviously going to be getting access to some more powerful, powerful, powerful things as things go on, things that have the ability to impact and change life as we know it. Yeah. And, and that to, to me with two young kids growing up into this world as well, worries me about what potential we've got. However, you look back 50 years ago and we had, our parents would have been having the same concerns and worries with us with yeah. nuclear power and yeah. nuclear, nuclear crisis. Right. And so we're going through that same thing as parents and as, as, um, as elders in this world at the moment in terms of that. And so, so that goes back to my thing of, I think I'm, like it worries me to a degree about what potential is out there with all these, these technologies that are going on and whatnot, and also our reliance on technology that's, mm -hmm. that's becoming sometimes too far in the wrong direction. Yep. And, um, and just as a side note on that, what I, what we're doing at the moment is we've got our, our kids in a school where at the moment there is no technology in their school. They're not, they're, oh. they're being taught to think critically outside of technology and funny coming from a tech geek, <laughs> putting my kids into a school where they don't have access to technology. That's like when I went to school. <laughs> there <was no> technology. <laughs> exactly right. But what I'm, what I'm a big believer is that we don't know in 10, 15, 20 years time when my kids hit the workforce, it, what, the world is going to be like and so yeah. i don't want to i don't want them to know how to wrangle technology now i want them know, to know how to wrangle their minds now yeah. and how to be creative and how to solve problems now mm -hmm. any type of problem that comes at them because in 20 years time that's what they need to be doing is solving problems not learning how to use technology or not using yeah. technology because technology then is going to be we, we can't even fathom what it's going to be like and uh yeah. and so to me it's to en enabling our youth nowadays to just yeah, able to, to look at a problem and, and break it apart into pieces and use some critical thinking ability and some emotional intelligence to, to unpack those problems <laughs> is what, what we should all be doing at the moment to enable yeah. them to be ready for whatever the heck is going to be there for them in, <laughs> in that 10, 15, 20 years of time. Definitely. You know, so, so that if they are presented with a rotary phone, they actually know how to, how to turn the <laughs> dial and then actually use it, right? <laughs> exactly right. And if they don't, they can figure out how to solve that problem. Exactly. Yeah. I just want them to have as many problem solving skills as they possibly can. And to do that, we need to hit them with challenges, throw them with challenges and, and not have it so that technology is the, the way that they solve every challenge out there. Yeah. Sure, it's, it's useful to use it, but I think we've got to teach our, our youth and our kids how to solve stuff using their minds first, technology second. Yep, definitely. So that brings us to our rapid fire round. Ooh. So this is really easy. <clears throat> Six quick questions. Nice. Uh, whatever, whatever first comes to mind. So first up, iOS or Android? iOS. Okay, Mac, Linux, or Windows? Windows. Amazon, Azure, Google, or something else for cloud services? Azure. Okay. Local backups, cloud, or both? Both. Okay. Should you always virtualize, yes or no? Ooh, good question. No. All right. And this is going to be interesting. Which is worse, printer support or vendor cold calls? <laughs> 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 You've already professed a love of printer support. <laughs> vendor, ven oh, the printer support is, is worse. Oh, come vendor on, cold you, calls. You, but you said you love printer support. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> back back when I was twenty one. Oh, okay, <laughs> not so much. Then the cold calls because there's relationship there each time, and you build a new relationship with new yeah. people. And I'm I'm all about meeting and and learning from new people and experiencing experiencing new relationships. So so that's right. the better of the two by far. Okay, um, Nigel, before we go, any any other words of advice or anything out there for our community? Oh, good question, big question. Uh, what would be my, be a parting tip? Uh, 
me, so, so being in my space, I get to talk to and see behind the scenes of, of incredible lot of amount of MSPs around the world. And, mm -hmm. and what I see out there is so much untapped potential. And now as a coach, that's good because there's opportunity for me to be able to go and create that. But what, mm -hmm. what I want everybody to, to believe is that in each and every one of you is, is this crazy limitless, limitless ability to go and do and be whatever you have. It's all governed by your belief in yourself. And so okay. if you want to grow a bigger business, you want to create a bigger business, you want to have more impact in the world, don't go out looking for tools and technologies and all this kind of stuff to solve it. Go and focus and work on working on your mindset so that you believe that you can, okay. you, you get that belief in place first and you will be unstoppable. And so, so that's my, my parting little bit of, of woo woo, Tony Robbins, <laughs> rah, rah in there for you to, to end up the thing. Cause, cause there is each of us, we limit ourselves like crazy. We've all got these yeah. limiting beliefs in these, these roadblocks that stop us from going out and creating even more awesome in the world. And I know mm -hmm. seeing behind the scenes of all these hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of MSPs around there that I can see their potential in them. And I see it's far greater than what they currently believe themselves. Yeah. And so, so my encouragement is all of us, we should always be working on upgrading our beliefs around ourselves and what we can do and what we can create because each and every one of us has got potential to do huge, enormous, amazing things out there. Mm -hmm. Great. Nigel, that was, that was awesome. I, I oh, great thank tip you for having me. <laughs> um, it's been a, yeah, it's been a real pleasure. So hopefully one of these days we'll like we'll, we'll get to meet in person. Um, if you ever make it if you ever make it here or I ever make it there, I'll definitely make sure to, to uh, come for a surf. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we don't we don't surf much here in Florida. Uh, at least not on the west uh, coast. They do on the east. You gotta coast, change that. Uh, here on the Gulf, there's, there's it's too shallow. There's no waves. So <laughs> ah, no, well, you got to move. Time to move house. <laughs> All right, great. Nigel, have a great day and uh, Thank enjoy you. the rest of your week. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Bye. Bye.